Welcome to finally the next episode of Comedy Guy with Lewis. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening again. It's been ages since I've recorded something. And that's, you know, have you heard? I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if you know the news going around. It's winter and it's dark as fuck. It's so cold and dark. And this happens to me every single year the darkness comes along, you know, you're working a lot just before Christmas, and it just sends me downhill, downhill faster than those crazy guys, you know, when they, they throw cheese down the hill, and everyone's running the big cheese thing, is that a Dutch thing, or was that a Scottish thing, anyway, it's, I get really introverted, and I don't want to talk, and that's also not the best way to be a podcaster, also not the best way to be a CEO of a company as well, I got these great employees who know how to keep things going when I pull a little bit inside of myself, but uh, the light's coming out, trying to feel a little bit better, because we, I don't know how you Estonian people, how do y'all, y'all like, yeah, I'm depressed, but I function, like, okay, I can't function like that, I don't know. So I'm here, but we're out of it. And I, I've decided to get back on it because, like, what are you going to do? You got you to gotta do it. That's it, right? You've just got to make the choice to do stuff and feel better about it. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm going to Japan in February. Uh, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I used to like to go over Christmas and New Year. This time I decided to stay, and I had the very worst. I had the sauerkraut. And we had the glug, and we did Christmas, and it was nice, and it was fun, and I enjoyed it. So instead, I'm going in February to Japan. I'm going for three weeks, and I cannot wait. So I'm trying to wind up and do a few pods. Uh, we got this one today. We're doing with Daniel tomorrow, talking about, uh, well, darkness and depression and addiction. Huh. Why does that seem to be a common theme right now? So anyway, uh, but then I'm going to go for three weeks. And uh, I got some people in Japan I want to talk to this time. Uh, I'm taking the recording gear again. And I'm going to uh, doing some stuff as we go around. Maybe some videos showing you guys a little bit about what I do there and why I find it fascinating. So today's episode. Uh, coming up, this is an intro, by the way. The other person isn't here. I'm not making them just sit and stare at me in weird, awkward silence. No, I decided to do a little intro. We'll see how this format goes. Uh, it's Caleb Brunick, and Caleb's an American who's been living here for a few years now. He's only like 21, but uh, he's lived in Estonia, like on and off, for about three years now. And uh, he's doing comedy with Comedy Estonia. He's on the new tour that's coming up, Varis Kaveri, uh, and he's doing great. And uh, it's I, I like talking to him. Um, uh, you know, uh, he's a kind of a foreigner. Well, he's a foreigner, but he kind of has that same thing. We talk about the same thing as me. We're not really into that expat community. We're not really just hanging out with our old, only English-speaking people, um, even though we both don't speak Estonian. I see the irony in that. I, I hear you people. I understand. Uh, we talk about, like, how's it through to get through the winter, talking about our driving licenses, how we both kind of scammed our way into the driving licenses. Uh, yeah, what it's like to be a foreigner mixing in and out. All this. We just have a chat. We're just a couple of foreigners talking about life in Estonia, having a chat, trying to get through this goddamn winter the best way that we can. So, uh, I'm here. I have slain the dragon of insecurity, uh, or I've just fucking put it under the stairs for a while. Get in there! Yeah, you and, and Frank, you hide in there. That's right. 
where you should be. You got to push that insecurity away and just try and do that shit. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's my talk with Caleb Brunig. Where to start with this, so we'll just do it. Caleb, hey man, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm actually really excited and really happy to be here. Like every time, uh, there's been like three moments of being with working with Comedy Estonia where I've gotten a text message from you that I'm like, I knew like it was a sign of something or like it was it was like a good thing. <laughs> uh, I just believe in like good omens and stuff. And then oddly enough, you're the you're like the the seer essentially who's like, oh, here's an omen, here's something good happening. <laughs> I know I'm. It's it's a really mental way to look at the world, but that's just. I didn't realize this is such a mystic and cryptic organ, like like fantasy world or something. It's King's Quest. I don't know. I'm I'm really into like Vikings, the Last Kingdom shows, those historical stuff, mm. and um, my mother's religious to an extent, <laughs> and I think just all of that grouping together has made me like I'm not religious, but I'm mildly spiritual about the universe and stuff and okay. karma and whatnot. Believing that everything comes together. Yeah. All the, all right. That all the things yeah. are there. We're all connected. I can get down with that. I'm down yeah. with that one. We're here. It's been, uh, I will have done a small introduction uh, as well. I've decided I'm going to do little introductions before this. Yeah. But we're here in our new Comedy Estonia studio, which is our old office. So it's the same room we've always been recording in. And if you're a fan of the Comedy Estonia podcast, then most of the new Tisadunt, uh, no, sorry, uh, Tusisoyad, most of the new uh, Paikas Jankud yeah. has all been recorded in this office. We've we've moved the Comedy Estonia admin team upstairs. We now sit in a much nicer room. And this old room has got a carpet. We've got some lights. We've got some tables. And we've got these fucking pimp couches. Oh, no, it's it's exceptionally cozy in here. Got these big white couches, which I got from the new apartment that I moved into. They so, just came with the house? Yeah, well, I moved in because most apartments in Estonia come furnished. If you rent, yeah, they come furnished, and I fucking hate that. Like, I don't want to sit in someone else's crappy couch, yeah. someone else's bed, use their forks. Who knows what <laughs> fuck has used this fork before? Who knows what he's done with this fork? So, I've got my own shit, but you can't find an... Un- like, there's like one out of a hundred in Estonia is unfurnished yeah. on the rental property market. So I had to take a furnished place. Yeah. But then when I was moving in, I moved in to a place with the same real estate agent because they had to kick me out of my old place because I was selling it. So he's like, yo, we're selling your apartment. You go move out. Yeah. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, whose problem is that, buddy? So then I'm like, what else you got? And he's like, I got this other place. It's across the trail railroad tracks in the same area. I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, I do not want to go look at apartments. I do not give a fuck. I don't want to have to go around. I don't have to call. Hello, can I come and see? What's the time? Make an appointment. There's five other jerks there at the same time. We've all got to rush back, make our applications. Heaven forbid, have someone judge me yeah. about, no, I don't think Lewis is good enough to move into my house or some shit like that. No time for it. So this guy had another place and I said, fine, I'll move in. And he's like, but there's furniture. And so I got this couch. Well, this couch was in there already. Yeah. And it's like, it's a couch, but it's not great. Like, you can see it's all like, it's kind of nice, but 
like the fabric's all coming up and shit yeah. and it's all cracked and stuff. It's, you can it's a great couch. You just tell that it's been worn a little bit. That's right. it. It's not more than a you're look, you you've got low standards. Yeah. My, my young friend. Low <laughs> standards of living, which is fine. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, bro, here's the deal. Uh this couch is pretty shitty. It's pretty shitty. We all agree it's pretty shitty. It's very shitty. It's pretty shitty. It's very shitty. Here's the deal. We you need to get rid of the couch and I'll take the place. Now you might be like Lewis, your renter, what power do you have? He needs me out of the current apartment. Oh, okay. So it's in his best interest. I was like, yo, you've got to get rid of the couch. Yeah. I don't want to pay any more deposit. Um, uh, and I don't want any of your bullshit brokerage fee. Yeah. You know, in Estonia, they do that where it's like one month rental mm-hmm. just as a brokerage fee, just so the fucking real estate agent can come and open the door for you. Okay, yeah. And it's not like... Some people say it's illegal. I don't understand, but it happens all the time. And it has it on the ad. Like, you'll see on the rental ad, like, one, whatever the extra fee is, one month, right? Just for the real estate to fucking jerk off. Was it, was you, were you being moved out and you were able to have some leverage because you were on a lease or were you just month to month payment? Month, not on a lease. No, it's still month to month. Okay. But it's in everybody's best interest that we're all happy here, right? Yeah. Because this guy, he needs to sell. I could be like, yeah, man, it's going to take me another four weeks. And then I don't know. I could stretch it out, yeah. right? But I was like, I'll be out in two weeks. Yeah. And he's like, excellent. That means he can sell it faster. He can get his commission. He can go on his fucking cruise in the Caribbean or whatever the fuck that he does with the extra money, the millions that he earns from the commission. Okay. So I said, you're getting rid of the couch, no brokerage fee, and I don't want to pay any more deposit. And he went, okay. And I went, cool, my man. Yeah. Then I go back to him a couple of days later. I'm like, bro, 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 that couch that you know you got to get rid of, I'll just take it away for you. How about that? And he's like, yeah, oh, no problem. This is a total win-win for you and Fucking everything. Fucking win-win, baby. Oh, yeah. Then when we were moving house, I got the, the guy. So we just took that couch out of that apartment. They don't even want it back. Brought it up here in the studio. We rolling. Oh, and yeah. our pimp white couch. <laughs> it's the casting couch. You oh. can't see. It's white. You can't see the stains. It's great. Oh, fuck. Having said that, there is no way that I would ever in my life bring a woman into this room to begin with. Ugh. I think that would be that would be some next level of um, a comedy Estonia comedian shit right there. Like, I'm going to take you back to where I record podcasts with other guys alone <laughs> for many an hour. <laughs> We're just going to talk it out. <laughs> Come on, baby. Don't worry about it. It's great, baby. Put the headphones on. You, you'll hear my voice much better. Yeah, yeah. and it's even, uh, even worse when you come into this room and you understand that it's covered in posters. So you've got like a, like I, there's right under the couch where let's say in this mythical scenario, I brought yeah. a young lady back here and I'm like, hey, baby, just sit down on the couch. Hey, don't worry about daddy. Let daddy do his thing, right? <laughs> there's literally a massive picture of Art of the Wasberg looking down at you. A beautiful Photoshop. <laughs> Sanders looking down, laughing at you. There's Ari. I don't want a picture of Ari on the wall. She's going to fucking look up at his picture <laughs> instead of me. I'm like, down here. Hello. No, don't look up a pretty boy on the wall. You're just gonna take a sticky note and just cover his oh, face. His face. <laughs> like, wait before we start. I just need to just stick this right here. Yeah. You know? So you know, I'm not. I don't want to like have sex in a room full of posters of my friends. That's not like. No, but that would be the most OG thing to do. <laughs> Why do we keep coming to your office? Well, it's just you know, I got to keep it in the family, keep it in the blood. Yeah, I like to do it in front of people, but I'm a bit shy. So. Oh yeah. That'll be weird. the greatest comedy act ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. uh, so we're doing the podcast again, and uh, I've been trying to get back into it because uh, it's been a while. 
And it's been a while because every uh, November and December, Lewis gets deathly depressed. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't want to do anything. And my listeners know they're used to not hearing many episodes because, yeah, around this time, I don't know, the darkness sets in, the work sets in. And I'm always confused about it that Estonians just seem totally fucking fine with it. Like, we're getting... like. You're feeling it yeah. as well, right? Yeah, this... no, it, it, it hit me hard when I came back. How many um how many would you say winters have you done so far? Of Estonian standard? Yeah. I'm well I guess I'm in my third right now going through, so I've done mm. my first winter was terrible. Oh, yeah. Like that was that was the that was the winter I discovered I have an alcohol problem <laughs> or I'm a problem drinker. Uh second one was more I was able to cope with it better. Um but it was still rough. This one is now. I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. Just let me get through it. I don't take vitamin D pills in in October, November, or December. But come January, I start taking them. Why would you wait? Um, I don't know. It's like this a uh, whole personality thing about me where it's like being self reliant, and I can do this. Like I can push through. And oddly enough, I have so much on my plate huh. uh, with EBS, my own podcast with James. Uh, and then with doing stand-up, that I'm always doing something that I never have time to feel sad. So there's no time to breathe. But the second I take a break, which is when school ends, then everything comes hitting me hard. And I'm like, okay, now let's take the vitamin D. And I know it's stupid because I would be like, you could just do that, take it once a day, and you wouldn't feel any effects. But I just, I kind of enjoy it as well. <laughs> You're such a masochist. You could just take it. It's not like, oh, I'm taking some drug. Like I need the... You know the they're not. It's not like taking a uh, the the depression pill or something like that. I'm just also really bad at remembering to take medication as well, so yeah. that doubles it. But if I give the excuse about why I would purposely forget it because it's mm. right next to my toothbrush, it's that I just I was always raised like you. If you put your mind to it, you can literally do it, and that mentality is the same thing that takes me in here. It's like only when I am hitting that point where it's I can physically tell I haven't seen the sun in three months. That I know it wasn't. And I think we've had okay sun last of December. We had a couple of days. A couple of days. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? A couple of days in two <laughs> months. That's that's a beautiful optimism that you have there, my friend. Oh, yeah. That you feel that that was an okay <laughs> amount of sun in that period of time. Like, really? Oh, I went when I was back in the States, I was there for about 14 days. And uh, upstate New York, is, the weather is very similar to here. It's just the days are much longer. So, they're, they're snow weather. They're... So we're not, I'm from upstate, so we're three hours north. So if you drove from Tallinn to Tartu, it's about as far as NYC north to my hometown. Hmm. Um, so there, it's much further away, much further down from the Arctic Circle than we are here. So the days are much longer. So that was awesome. We got a great amount of sunlight, a little bit of a tan. It was great. And then I was like, oh, this is good. Now I came back and I haven't seen the sun in three and a half days because my jet lag's all messed up as well. And uh, How long have you been, how long have you been back? Uh, I got back on the third. Oh, okay. Not yeah. just a few days. Yeah, All just right, a few nice. days. Um, so it's been a tough few days, but yeah. Okay, readjusting and acclimatizing. Yeah, it was. Uh, so one, I was really sad about leaving my family again because I won't be. I'm going to go back for the summer for about six weeks. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, I know I'm coming back, but I just it's weird. If I'm gone for a long time, it stops weighing on me. But once I see everyone, it comes back to me like, oh, I now I remember what what my family's like. Mm. It's a. Re- I guess it, that's really weird to say. Um, no, okay, I get that. Yeah, sure. But, um, yeah, coming back was just weird because I was depressed, and then 
Uh, I have a dog, so I had some people house sitting and watching our dog, the my girlfriend's best friend and stuff. Um, but they wouldn't fucking leave my house for forty eight hours. They kept just hanging out, and I was like, I'm 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 like intoxicated right now. I don't want to deal with anybody. Just please go away. And uh, no one was picking up on that sign. So the first two days was was rough. I had people I didn't want in the house because I just wanted to be alone. Mm. Um, and then got working and writing and stuff. So okay, yeah, I'm doing okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm doing okay, I guess. That's the way that we all kind of deal with this as foreigners, isn't it? Because the Estonians, they, I mean, my observation, again, I feel so weird to make these broad, sweeping statements like, the Estonians this, and the Estonians that. And I think it's something about, I feel it anyway, I feel it's something like, because this country's so small, you're never talking about anonymous people. You're definitely talking about a whole bunch of people who are listening or know or something like that. Like, yeah. I've been watching this one new uh, YouTube. Well, there's one YouTuber who's lived in Japan for 10 years. And I really like his stuff. He's a really cool dude. He does a lot with games and, and I love Japan and I'm going there again soon. And listen, But he also talks about his life in Japan. And he's been there 10 years. Okay, same amount. I've been here for 10 years. And he's, he talks really sweet. Like he... At first, he was very scared about offending them, but then he eased up, and then he really he learned to speak at a conversational level and integrate, and he learned they're nice and all. It's really sweet and nice, but I think it's even different when you're talking about a big country like Japan because you're still an anonymous person in the big city. Yeah. And I think already in the amount of years you've been here, like you are not, no one is anonymous in this country. No, no. It's... Um I'm, there was one time uh, back in November. I I was performing for uh, Tartu's ESN night, and so they just had an open stage, and they're like, "We'll give you." How they were unprepared to do it totally. Um, so, uh, regardless, but when I went down there and I was like making the contacts and starting the conversation about, okay, like how much time do I have? Is everything is what? Do I need to bring anything? Do you have any restrictions of what I can and cannot say? I'm not really giving a shit, but I'm just gonna like be yeah. pleasant with it. Right. Um, and everyone I was talking to, I didn't know anyone. I went through their Facebooks, and I was like, I don't have any in relationship. Like, there's no connection. And I know people in Tartu. Mm. And it was really scary because I'm like, this is this is uncomfortable now. Cause <laughs> it's e- comfortable, but connected, and then uncomfortable when we're not connected. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's a weird level, too, because um, I didn't realize this until one time I had come off stage of Uxkike, and these two drunk guys, so me and James are having a smoke, uh, and these two drunk guys come up, and interrupt our conversation. Be like, hey, can we add you on Facebook? And <laughs> we're like, um, okay, sure. And so they take the, the hand the guy my phone. He takes it and he puts his name in. And then he says, that he says like, add. And he's going through the friends. Like, oh, we have these people in common. And oh, and you guys had these people in common. And I was like, wow, that is, I've never met you. And I'll probably never see you again. But now me and you are Facebook friends with 65 people in common. And mm. it's, just, it's, it's very scary, but comforting to know that I have, it's ease of access to people. I, I think it removes some layers of celebrity that you have in the States, if that makes sense. We certainly don't have any level of celebrity in Estonia, I don't think. Right. Sure, I do get extremely skeptical when I see someone that I don't have any Facebook friends with. Like, why? How? Is that even... How could that be... What... Like, if you're not not Mm. adding... If if that person didn't just step off a plane... (laughs) And they've been here for more than a month. <laughs> I just I would stay away from them because you don't know what kind of crazy they right, are. What do you? No. <laughs> um, do you think that? Uh, okay, one thing that I I feel that I haven't done a lot is integrate well with other foreigners. 
and because I was thinking about this again, I'm again I'm comparing to Japan, yeah, because I was been reading a lot because I'm really this time really super preparing for my trip. I usually go over Christmas and New Year to Japan mm-hmm. and then to Tokyo, but this time I've delayed it uh, so I can see most of Ari's tour. Yeah, uh, that f- popular fuck. He was only supposed to do a tour in January and a couple days in February. Turns out he's super fucking popular. And now we've sold shows all the way through February as well <laughs> after I already planned my trip away. But don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot in, in places that are more well-established and where there's more services and there's more better jobs. Now, things are changing in Estonia. I don't want to say that. But you are more likely to get the what I call as the expat. The expat hangs out with other expats. Oh, yeah. He maybe has a local wife, maybe has a kid. He has some sort of job that he's been doing for a while here. He's the expat. Maybe he speaks a little, maybe he doesn't. I get the irony, everybody listening, that I don't speak Estonian. Go with me on this one. (laughs) This is a character tour we're trying to build here. And that kind of person, I think, exists more in more established places where there were more foreigners to actually do that. Yeah. Um, so while even though I don't speak Estonian, I most of my friends are Estonian um, because you just, there wasn't that number of, like especially 10 years ago when I was first here, there wasn't that many, there was, but not that many grisly old foreigners Yeah. hanging around. And you can often tell them because they're very bitter and they don't like the place, but they're kind of stuck here for maybe a child or a marriage they don't like or something. And that's the expat. And that happens. And I was reading some stuff that's like a, a fucking stereotype in Japan. I saw that in, I mean, I uh, like a place maybe if you're in Amsterdam, that might be a common thing with a large city. Yeah. When I was living in Stockholm, uh, the the Swedish chick that I was living with, I had like five foreign friends of five male foreign friends when I was there, all of them stuck in Sweden because of children. And there was no fucking way I was going to be having a child with this yeah. kid. Like I was just like scared out of my brain. Every one of these guys had come to Sweden for the girl. They had a child, ended up breaking up and they couldn't leave oh, because yeah. they wanted a relationship with their kids, but they fucking hated Sweden. I'm like, I ain't making that mistake. I'm not going down that line. And But they were... But then they end up down this really bad path because they don't really want to be there. So they don't really integrate very much. They don't hang out with other bullshit foreigners doing bullshit expat things. They get like disassociated from their kids because they don't really learn up speaking the language. My point of all of this is we didn't have that in Estonia. No, not at all. I think that's coming. Like even if you chose Tallinn or Helsinki, right? Tallinn attracts very broadly like the kids. The kids are either studying at EBS like you, yeah, or they're taking the IT startup job. We're all working for TransferWise and having a kick-ass time yeah. and, and doing well, right? But if you're like 40, 45 and you've got a partner and you've already got a couple of children and you need and you to move, move somewhere, you want to, I think you were typically, stereotypically, moving to Helsinki instead. Yeah, because, that would make a decision. Because you've got higher paying wage, You've got services for your children, which we're still, as much as I understand, lacking on that 
here. So yeah. you want that stuff in English. You want those good services, like the good childcare, the good schools and shit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe an opportunity for your partner as well. It's all well and good to be the whiz bang programmer for transfer wise, but what the hell is your partner going to do? Oh yeah. So they were more likely to go to to Helsinki, and then you could see those people there. Definitely, they 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 just work in a job in a big company. Where here it was like, oh, I'm young and I'm a startup guy and I'm living yeah. in that. But that's changing. I think it's changing because now I think there's more services. I mean, bit by bit, but it's uh, it's uh, for at least for me because I'm. I'm from New York. I've been. I've lived in Frankfurt, Istanbul, uh, DC, like mm. super established cities. So I did never get to see like a city really established and found itself. But being here, like I really wish I could have come here a couple times when you came here originally. Because from what I, from the mild stories I've heard, is was apparently the wild wild west essentially, where literally anything could happen. And you, <laughs> you get away with anything as a foreigner to an extent. You know, I say, it's so funny that you say those exact words because I say that exact, exact same thing about like when Stuart came here, like he, I've been here for 10, he's here for 18 or 16 or oh, 18 shit. or some shit like that, right? Yeah. Like I, and then there's even guys who were there, like Stuart came after the, like, well, I mean, I, I forget which year exactly, but it was pretty well after the the independence, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, then he looks back to the dudes who were here around the independence, you know, even in the last days and the early days and all yeah. that shit. So everybody looks looks back and wishes they were here earlier to okay. experience something crazy. Interesting. I, I I thought that okay, yeah, that makes sense. Now I'm I'm thinking about someone else who it's kind of now I can think retrospectively like, well, in you know a couple of years if I'm still here and I meet uh, someone who would have been my age when I moved here. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, well, I would have wish I was here five years ago. Yeah, I remember now it's Comedy Estonia is really big and oh, you can't get it now. Remember the days when you could just walk in and be a oh, bullshit yeah. open micer and get somewhere? Remember that? <laughs> oh, I, even in that, I've only been, I started doing comedy here, of course, and then I've started with Comedy Estonia and I've, I've, it's really weird to see that too, just in the last year and some change where we went, where we went from like, where I was just like, oh, it's an open mic. I never had to worry about getting a spot. Uh, and then, then I saw this, um, from like june sorry from yeah from like june until i think november we were having this massive surge of everyone wants to be a comedian for some reason <laughs> and then i was i was like well okay that's what an actual boom seems like and i'm already in the industry to an extent and i feel as if i'm building my reputation and building myself up sure. um and be able to see that happen and i was like to think about the guys who like i wish i started when when roger started because then i could be like oh well me and roger the same time but the person who started with me are are two people renar and eric Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to see that me and renar grinded our asses off and you know i can see that rise and then compare to someone who could i guess in the same side well i wish i did more work there or something and i look at where eric is and stuff there's no no put down on him he just hasn't put the work in sure so i'm actually not sure where i was going with that no it's fine yeah i mean yeah Yeah. we're all about like wish i mean because it's the same thing like uh yeah every i mean if you get in fast someone originally said to me i think it was rina ries yeah. rina who i've had here on the podcast before and when i used to work with her when she was the assistant manager at club Privé, and it was the first comedy estonia shows that we were doing yeah. this is something like 2011 i want to say something like this and she told me like anyone if you're the first person in estonia to do something you'll probably be successful at it yeah. Like if you don't fuck it up, if you work reasonably well at it, you know, like we're not saying it's all a given. And that well, I mean, that was eight years ago now, so it you know, it makes it a bit different. But so then cause I would go like, Oh but then over time the things that you have to bring 
become more and more niche. So let's say we brought comedy. As yeah. a, let's just say we imported that product that was 10 years ago. Now we're successful with the comedy thing. What about the guy who opened up the first Toyota dealership? What about the guy who imported the first can of Coke? Yeah, yeah. The real obvious things. The first dudes who started bringing in the fruit or the bananas, right? They are, at first, it's like you want the obvious shit. I want the Toyota. I want my can of Coke. I want the obvious shit. And they're the big things, right? They're the, now those guys are, you know, fucking, they've made a lot of money yeah, yeah. From, from those businesses back then. But then over the years, there's still success to be had, but from more and more niche things. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe the person who brought hot yoga here is a thing. I don't know, right? Like, uh, what else is like, uh, I have a I I in the Australian friend I introduced you to at Oaks one time. Mm. He wants to come back in like April or May and get a job here, I guess, because he loves the city enough um, that he wants to live in the darkness. But he's like, I'm really fond of bubble tea, and I want to start like a bubble tea cart and tell a mm. So if, I mean, take the same example what you're just saying. If he's the first guy to do it, they're already selling bubble tea and tell Oh, they are at New Face. There's oh, the Chinese sh- joint at the back. Yeah, yeah. New Face is the best, by the way. I have not. Uh, if yet. you go at the back of the, there's the meat hall, mm-hmm. um, and there's Viliandi Burger. Yeah, and yeah. There's the Indian place. And then there's the Caesar chicken Caesar salad place. Just past that is New Face, which is run by these Chinese blokes. Yeah. And it's awesome. You get the great noodles. Uh, they get little bao steamed buns and they sell bubble tea. And they put the plastic over the top and you got to put the straw through it. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing. I fucking hate bubble tea because all I can imagine are eyeballs. <laughs> they look and have the consistency of eyeballs and I feel like I'm drinking eyeball drink and I refuse to drink a bubble tea. However, I see they're quite popular with the kids these days. I mean, who wouldn't? I think I just think it's kind of funny. You're like, I need a drink, so let me have something chunky in my mouth. <laughs> it's like slushies. For me, slushies and ices, those were the best things growing up, but I've never seen any of those in Europe, only in America. So I guess bubble tea is the replacement. I guess it is. I mean, I guess you can't just like... I mean, sure, I grew up with Slurpees and Slushies and then my, my our friend Lachlan would be working at the mobile service station on a Saturday night oh, in yeah. my small town in Australia so we could roll down there and then when no one's looking, we're like, just put our head underneath the Slurpee oh, yeah, machine yeah. and make some huge thing. You can't have that much sugar these days. Like, some I- liberal is going to jump up and down on you. Some, oh, no, you can't eat the sugar. Like, you can't. Oh, no. You can't be giving people that much sugar these days. It ain't going to fly anymore. I think, didn't England just pass a sugar tax and stuff? So now a lot of drinks are going to be either be more expensive if they have the same levels of sugar, mm. or they'll be um, the original price, but they'll have a decreased amount of sugar that they can um, they can put it. Now, I think it's like fructose and, and, high, and cornstarch sugar that you can't use as much anymore, but there's supplement ones that are like all natural sugars that are more acceptable. I think it's like not... So I don't want to say salvia or sativa. This is definitely <laughs> not it. But it, it it's very natural. Yeah, yeah. Let's add some of that to the drink. Oh, yeah. Just put a little bit of that. And, oh, I was when I went to this JFK, right? I was flying back. I was having a, a mild panic attack um, of my, like, this is my third one that day. And so CBD is literally everywhere in New York because it's, mm. it's federally legalized. New York has been decriminalized for quite some time. We've had med- medical for a while now, too. Um, and they were selling like CBD patches and it's like tw- a hundred milligram uh, patch that does slow release for 24 hours. I was like, I've never really tried this stuff. Let me try it. I could be like chill and stuff. And I put it on and says, wait an hour for the effects to for happen. 
Um, so we went, me and my girl went to the bar, uh, and started getting food and that I didn't, I've tried like CBD in very small dosage, but I've never had it to the point where I felt it. And it was really odd. Cause I was like, look to my girl and, and I've been trying to quit smoking as well for quite some time now. Mm. So she saw me put the patch on. She thought it was a nicotine patch the entire time. <laughs> and so I go into like this 15 minute bit about why CBD is like good and stuff and why I think it might help me quit and help me with stress and stuff. She didn't understand any of it, of course. Um, but then it was the weirdest thing. I, I guess I have a negative reaction to it generally because I went into my body being exceptionally hot, mild sweating. Hmm. Like I felt a little bit nauseous and I just, I had just started, I just finished eating. So it wasn't like the munchies because I felt that earlier. So I'm like, okay, it's the munchies. Let me go get some food. I'll be fine. I'm still sober. Uh, have a beer, you know, let's see what's going on. And then I felt just like, I felt really good mentally, but physically it was the worst feeling ever. Mm. So it affected you. So when you took that uh, and CBD, because CBD has never affected me. Yeah. I've never felt anything more than a light buzz in the head or something, but that could have just been from inhaling some kind of smoke or something. Mm. So it actually, for the first time, affected you. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, 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 I'd have to try it again in the same form to see what it is. Mm. But I think it was the fact that it was, it was via a patch and I'm not used to having so much I'm not used to having that much that quickly, I guess. Right. And that might have been a negative reaction. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was really odd because I'm normally running very... My body runs hot, but this was like profusely warm. And then uh, I felt nauseous and I felt like throwing up. And mm. the second I was like, okay, I'm about to go on a 10-hour flight. I do not need to be throwing up right now. So I took it off. And then 15 minutes later, my sympt- the symptoms of what I thought was the patch were disappearing. The trace amounts of CBD in my blood, though, was like enough where I was like, oh, okay, I feel uh, feel relaxed now, but it's not the same issue I was having previously. So would you just still give it a try for science? Yeah, I would give it another go. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna. I want to try to get into microdosing. Okay. Yeah, either yeah, yeah. CBD or THC, because I've heard they. Well, if you do microdosing of THC, I've heard that it's good for productivity. You get the advantages of being high, but you're not really high at all. You're just lightly buzzed and feel like you're being hugged, <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> That CBD has that thing that we're all still really confused. Yeah. Because if you read the internet, it's like, cures everything. Your cancer's gone and it's going to get rid of Donald Trump and it's going to put money in your bank account and it's amazing. Get the CBD. Put it all over you. Bathe in CBD. Drink oh, yeah. it. Give it to your dog. Your dog loves CBD. Uh, but we all don't quite know what it is yet. I. So from my mild research <laughs> that I've done is that it's good for like pain and anxiety to help reduce it, mm. but it's also not the best for depression either. Like that's, I think that's one thing people say, Oh, it's great for depression. Apparently it's actually not. Um, I went down to Sativa store and I went to the guy to the, the bud tender and I'm like, listen, man, I'm want to buy a gram or two. Uh, and, and then before I bought it, he's like, okay, just hear me out. What is it for? And I said, well, I'm having really bad uh, depression and, and anxiety. He's like, okay, this is not for you then. This is, will not help you then. Hmm. It's more like for a physical pain or that kind of ailment. Um, so he actually recommended Damnia tea. It's called the Herb of the Gods. Okay. It's pretty good. Um, it did it's something? A, it was nice? Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I, I researched it. So um, it's a, the CDVS, so they sell like three or four different teas with different herbs. And they're all mildly psychoactive. So they're not to the point where you're feeling high, but you can feel something. Mm. So I tried it for the first time before I went to Rauno's workshop 
and I didn't read exactly what it was, uh, what the Damnia flower does. It's actually an aphrodisiac, mm-hmm. so I was essentially taking Vi- like sm- microdosing Viagra mm. to not feel depressed. And then I went to go watch Rano talk about comedy for four oh, hours. Yeah, Rano. Oh yeah. Again. Oh yeah. Give me a punchline. Ooh, <laughs> punch it, baby. Um. Yeah, that. Those CBD shops have sprung up in Estonia. I was thinking for a while the other day, could that be the next thing, right? Rather the next bubble tea or CBD or whatever the next thing. Yeah. I think with those things though, if you want something to be a thing, something someone has to get behind it, and that's what um, CBD in Estonia lacks right now. It needs a figurehead. Yeah. It needs a spokesperson. Like all these stores, you can go to the Siva store at the back of te- uh, the Balti Arm there, or there's some in the old town. They all look like cheapo weed shops. Yeah. Like they're all like the fucking thing. And we need someone, we need a community, we need a movement, we need someone that we trust or that we can very quickly learn to trust. Oh, yeah. That says, the CBD is great. This is how I use it. You should do this. Maybe it's different, blah, blah, blah. I think people are getting t- like uh, regular people are not going to the wacky weed store no. with the wacky weed symbol it, there. There, I think. Well, one, if it, so, what what you're saying is true. Essentially, what what you need is you need the the Lewis Cesaran of work in <laughs> work in Estonia and study in Estonia. Because I'd, I'd made that connection, but I didn't want to be too big headed to say, "Hey, yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to the me of this." But it's fine. Thank you for bringing that up. I yeah, appreciate that. you need that person. <laughs> um. How does it feel, by the way, the fact that people reference, I need the Lewis Cesaran of this to do that? Jesus, I feel sorry for them. I wonder <laughs> what a fucking small country we do live in where this bullshit thing could get by. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, by the way, the first time I ever met you, um, I didn't realize I was talking to you over Facebook when I booked my, se- when I booked my first show. Oh, okay. And then I saw you walking up. I was like, oh, my God, it's that guy who sold me on the shit country. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> awesome <laughs> fuck that guy yeah he said it was gonna be all right he said we're flying in planes and doing our taxes in nightclubs it was gonna be great now now i'm depressed and i've got a fucking razor blade at my wrist oh yeah lewis fuck you i was i actually i thought you were a pilot up until the fact i met you i thought i was so naive to think that oh maybe he's an actor and because it <laughs> said because it said you know captain or something i'm like yeah that seems about right sure i trust just... anyone with an australian accent <laughs> Because we've never lied to anyone, mate. Nah. No. We've never done anything wrong. Yeah. But going back to the to the CBD. So we essentially, uh, I think they need to have the Lewis Cesaran for weed. Okay. They need a spokesperson. Yeah. They yeah. need the spokesperson, definitely. And then they need to they need to remove the stigma that it's different or it's counterculture to an extent. Because huh. I feel as if... It, like if you go into, a, I, into any weed shop or a hemp shop or even a vape shop... Anything with smoke related or a tobacco shop, there's always two. There's two kinds of people. There's either an old woman who does not want to be there but is there for the money, and then she she's reasonable, she's a regular person, and then there's that other person who's like heavily tattooed or they're they just don't look like a regular Joe, and I think mm. that is somewhat frightening to the fact that you know oh it's different, I don't want to be associated with that, so I won't try it or I won't I'll give it a bad name or something, and so like if you were able to bring more hemp products into the regular shops like at a at a aptech or you're able to put it in the uh and uh what do you call it if you're able to put it in remy and prisma on the shelves in a regular area mm. that's fine because that's part of the thing that the u.s is doing right now is you don't have to go to 
um, you don't have to go to a, a dispensary anymore just to buy weed. You can buy it at the mall. Right. There's in little kiosks in, in some the kind, in some states. Oh yeah, well in New York, right? I walk by and there's two kiosks back in New to back. York. Yeah, in upstate New York, there's two kiosks back to back for CBD. I didn't think it was everywhere. legal in New York. Oh yeah, no CBD because CBD. Oh CBD, not C- not, not THC. THC. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but CBD, sure. But THC, you just need a weed card and then you go to a dispensary okay, for yeah. it. Uh, my my stepbrother has one. He was flashing it around. It was really weird. Um, <laughs> no, but I think once they're able to get into more stores and they're able to be in regular places that people mm. just see it as like, oh, it's something else there. I think there's room for it to be picked up. It is. And I just, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon in Estonia. No. Um, like, I don't think we've got that deep progressive thing. Uh I think it's like, okay, yes, the young people are into it. Yes, all you cool, hip people who are listening to this podcast are right into it and understand why we may want CBD, why we may want to legalize THC, why all these kind of things. The limited experiences that I've had with the Estonian bureaucracy and the politics tells me this is not flying. Like, this is not... Like, we don't live in this kind of cool no. kind of thing. Like, we're cool, but I don't think those politicians are nearly half as cool as they make out to be. Yeah. And are letting something like... I just don't... I can't see it going on in, in the next the, five the years. The Estonian government, from what I've heard, um, is kind of really... They're open... Of course, it's legalized now, right, for CBD. Um, but they're really trying to push against it hard. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Why do they? Why do they push against? Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking legalize. No, it's ridiculous. And that's actually one of the reasons one of the business I'm thinking about getting into is mm. is the growing business, um, just because the one of the companies I work for, uh, my me and my boss are fairly close to a point. He was he knows a lot of some of the comedians. He knows a lot of the people in Estonia, I guess. And uh, one of his friends was like working at sativa store and they was telling him was like we don't have weed like we don't have anything right now because the government had seized everything from mm. them to test it all for cbd because they thought somehow they were selling cb uh, thc under the table or something so they took it all and then they're all uh they seized it and then they were out of weed for like three weeks and then they got it back but most of the weed that they're getting is not grown in estonia mm. it's not grown it's cheaper and more effective to grow it in italy and portugal and in southern europe where the climate's a bit warmer and you have a larger grower se- growing season. But the one thing I've realized about Estonians is they have no problem spending an excess of money because it's SD something. Like um, went to the Rimi with my girl and there's like there was 70 cent per kilogram garlic and there was 6 euro per kilogram garlic. And I'm like, just <laughs> grab that one. She's like, no, 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 we got to grab this one. It's like, why? She's like, because it's Estonian. I'm like, but it's $5 now. Like it's so... M- uh, it's not okay it's one more euro but it's like i don't need to spend the euro on that i could spend it on something else and so i think if you just made home grow like estonian okay, grown yeah. stuff that's premium um people would buy it up i want to hope as i read about that too i'm like why to me that spoke to the disconnection in bureaucracy why did you make it legal let these people make businesses and then go and fucking crack down on them when they weren't doing anything wrong mm. Because the police are different to the legislators, like it's all different oh, yeah, yeah. groups in the bureaucracy. It was that incident, and it was a second incident which led me to believe it was my run-in with the law that led me to understand to think this is not going to happen. So I had a run-in 
with yeah. the import authorities um, last year. So the thing that I was into, like you were saying, the CBD was helping you, uh, you know, with different things, right? Yeah. Maybe with depression, maybe with pain relief. Those very similar things that I was using to feel good in the darkness and something that I was using to help me is this stuff called Kratom. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Kratom, if you're listening at home, it's like a, it's a ground up leaf. Um, it comes from like Thailand and Indonesia and shit like this. It might be something kind of like a version of the matcha tea or something. I don't really understand what matcha tea is. It's a, I, I don't know. It's from Japan. It might be super popular. something in that area that uh, you, and it's, it's, so it's all herbal. It's nothing like chemical. But you, you, it comes in a powder and you just mix it with some water and you take it and it gives you these, uh, like a very warm feeling. Yeah. I was getting a, a feeling of well-being okay. is what I was getting from it. Some people use it for pain relief. Some people do use it from depression. Uh, apparently, it's also very good if you are trying to come off other uh, chemicals. Yeah. So like heroin users, apparently, have found great as a different source, rather than using methadone, they're using Kratom. People who don't want to be on painkillers are using it. Um, and the, and a lot of people are using it at like 20 grams a day. I was finding if I took two to three grams a day, maybe half in the morning, half in the afternoon, mm -hmm. it was making me feel nice. And the way I kind of justified it to myself was like, fucking look at this weather. Look at that gray. It's yeah. the 17th week in a row of gray. Yeah. The leaves haven't been on a tree for the last three and a half years. I don't know when this is... I, like, I just... Can I have something? Can I have something to get through the day? Oh, yeah. And so I kind of discovered this stuff. Um, but as it turns out, happens to be illegal in Estonia. Now... Never one to let the law get in my way as an Australian. Um, so I had had it. Um, you can also, like, because it's also legal in a lot of states in America. Oh, they sell it in New York as well. Right, it's legal stations. in New York. Because, yeah, I was, it was legal in New York and legal in Georgia, the two states that I was in over summer. Yeah. So it was actually great. I got some fucking scent to Dita's place. I could then fly to New York with it. Uh, I was having a great time every day, tripping around on it. Yeah. Um, and... I made the mistake of trying to import some via Omniva. Yeah. Now, this was the mistake of getting it brought in with the postal service. Okay. Um, because, yeah, eventually a package got found. And one and a package didn't come. And they caught me up. And they were like, okay. And then eventually I got a notice that said, from the Maxu Yatoliamet, like, we found this shit. We don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah. So you better tell us what it is. Yeah. Um, now, I understood that they probably didn't think it was a super bad drug because if you're trying to import a block, like 200 grams of cocaine, they ain't sending you a letter. They'll <laughs> be like, hey, uh, is this 200 grams of cocaine? Is that, is that yours? Like, dude, I'll be on the fucking flight. Like, you know, yeah, that's your, you're out of the country. You're ready to go. You'll be like, oh, you know, best wishes from Mexico. This is my, the new place that I live now. Yeah. yeah. Um, no extradition laws there. Right. Exactly. So I understood already, okay, this is not the worst crime, but they're going to get me on something. Yeah. So I basically owned up. So I owned up and they wanted to see, uh, they wanted to know what it was. They want to know where I bought it from. 
They wanted to see my bank account records for the month previous. Mm -hmm. So I think what they wanted from the bank account was to probably to verify the cost of it and then also to verify that I'm not on selling it. Yeah. So because, you know, dealer, user kind of thing. So I did that. I owned up, told them everything, and I got hauled down to the Maxu Yatolia men at the harbor at their office there. Yeah. Um, So we have this meeting. Um, there's got to be, and the thing is though, got to have a translator. So you can request the translator, and I'm like, oh, okay, we get at the translator because the the lady from the Maxo Yotolia does not speak English. No fucking English. No. I was like, maybe a bit. You're international. You work in customs. You got to do work with international people at the customs department. Nothing. So there was a very nice lady there who was acting as the translator, and I got sat down in this office, and yeah, to the to the customs lady. This was a very serious matter. Yeah. And she's like, where did you get it? And I'm like, here's where I got it. I bought it. I'm so I'm sorry. Have you had it before? Uh, where have you had it? I've only had it in America, madam. Of course, I've never had any Estonia. Of course. Um, that's where it's legal. That's how I've tried it. You tried to bring it in. Yes, that was very stupid. Um, and, oh, and, and I can't give long answers because it's going through the translator. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also my full Australianness kicks in. Like, Australian people, we know how to talk to the police. Okay. An Australian person, person is born knowing how to talk to the police. It is in our DNA. It is, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, this is right. You get the training in my country. Like, you say, like, we may as all well be black. Oh, like, shit. we, for the amount, like, how well... We know how to talk to the police. Yes, sir. No, sir. Telling exactly what needs to be said, but no more. Don't be giving away no oh, extra yeah. information or anything like that. Um, so I, it's good. I'm not trying to give away more information because I'm already programmed for that. Yeah. So I'm giving away what I need to. It's going, and, and, and thankfully, I don't appear to be too short because I'm going through the translator. Yeah. And so you can't just rabble on and on and on. Yeah. And... But some of the questions they asked me, so she asked me where it came from, what was I doing with it, why would I like it? And I'm like, chick, have you looked outside? All right, like at the weather? It's depressing. Can we have something? Can we have, and, she, and like just not, and like she's got nothing. And she even, she asked me this one question was like, do you have any suggestions about how we can educate young people as to how to stop taking these illegal things? And I was like, I shouldn't laugh at her right now. I guess this is not a good thing to be able to laugh at no. you. Like, oh, do I have any suggestions how we can stop the young people doing bad things? Like, oh my God. First of all, not a bad thing that I'm doing with here. Secondly, listen to yourself. Oh yeah. That's when I understood. That's the moment where I was like, no, the bureaucracy, This, if this is the bureaucracy we're dealing with, this isn't going to be going through. Mm. So I got a um, so I explained everything. Said I'm never gonna do it again. Da da da. Um, did you get a fine? I did. I got my. I got a reduced fine for something. Some part of it. I I think. Oh yeah, I got a reduced fine because I had nothing on my record. Okay. Which was funny because she said even um you don't it's good you don't even have any speeding tickets and i'm like bitch what i have loads of speeding tickets what are you talking about but there's something about 
Um, have you had a speeding ticket in Estonia? Yeah, I've had like three or four. Right, 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 right. So, you know, you get a speeding ticket. You can be driving a Tartal. That thing flashes you and it's in your inbox yeah. by the time you get to Tartal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. But my, com- my com- car is owned by the company. Oh. So, the company gets it, right? Yeah. And because there's no point system or demerits... On the individual, the Estonia, it's basically pay the, pay the fine. Fuck yeah. you, pay the fine, right? So they just send it to the company. And somebody has to pay the fine. So I pay the fine and it's done. But apparently, that shit's not being put on my personal record. Because it's never under my name. It says the company's name, which is Zezaran Consulting, which is another story as to why it has such a douchey fucking name. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, it's apparently never getting assigned to me personally. So when I rolled into the police department, they were like, yo, you got a clean record. You're the best driver ever. And I'm like, you're right. Number one driver here. The the first time I ever got a speeding ticket, no one told me that flash happens. Okay. You know when you're if you're driving past mm-hmm. the town, yeah, you get a flash get, off. But it's yeah. like a bright red one. No one told me that happened. So it's like the first one after a turn. Oh. My I flashed me, and I was like, "Am I having an out of body experience or something?" Because I didn't know what the fuck was going Jesus. on. Jesus. Yeah. It was Have like, you come to me? I was like, "Why is why is everything red for some reason?" Mm. But no, I'm in the same boat with that. Um, all the cars I've driven in this country, and I've been speeding tickets, are either owned by a by another company or they're. Uh, leased out of Germany, so the first speeding ticket I got was a uh, in my girlfriend's mother's car because I was only only teenager with a license at the time, and uh, I got a speeding ticket. But it took like two and a half weeks to get back to me because it had to be shipped to, over to Germany, uh. and then the German office figured out whose car got the speeding ticket, and then it got mailed out to Estonia. But yeah, no, I've I I think I've only paid like two of them though, so so they just happen to be taken care of. And if I don't ask questions, I'm like I'm not really gonna pay that shit anyways. <laughs> I think I, I have a theory that they're just like, as long as you're not drinking, it's not as bad. Then again, I haven't really got like, I haven't been pulled over by the police in a couple of years Yeah. now. Because there was a good amount of time that I was driving without a license as well. Because when I, I was for years driving on my Australian license. Yeah. And you're only supposed to drive now on a foreign license for one year. Yeah. And, but then they changed the rules and you couldn't just get it swapped over. No. Um, you had to go and get the Estonian license. Yeah. And I couldn't pass the theory exam. I tried the English version, couldn't pass it. Like, not only, because I'm, like, I'm a dumb shit. I can't study from books. I don't learn from the books. Yeah. I, I can't, like, I have zero concentration. I had zero concentration in 1995, let alone in 2019 when our brains have all been rotted by phones and social media and notifications and everyone has the attention span of like half a Netflix show. Yeah. I don't have any attention to sit and study anymore. So I couldn't, I wasn't studying the book. And um, for all my dear Estonians out there, when you do the Estonian, when they do the Estonian version of the exam, they have a book and it has the exact questions. Yeah. Like exact wording and they just have to rote learn that shit. Yeah. Right? yeah. We do not get that in English. The translation that is on the computer is not the translation in the books that you get mm-hmm. and they're not even really coming from the same source material. And if you do the theory exam, the translation is so bad. Like it's so bad that... You can't work out what the question is saying. 
So not only is the translation so bad, you can't work out exactly what the answer should be because the answers, it's not just like, like it's multiple choice, but it's not just A or B or C. It could be like B and D. Oh, those and you ones. have to fucking have B and D. And if you don't have, if you don't have that one, you're, you're right. Then that's it. Yeah. So not only are they extremely hard multiple choice questions, you can't see the exact ones. And if I talk to other foreigners, I remember even talking to Stuart about it. When he got his license back in the day, now I'm going to put that back to, let's say, 15 years ago. It could mm-hmm. be more. I'm not extremely precise. Same translations. And then he said they'd already been around. Stuart at the time, Stuart being Stuart, had volunteered to do a free translation for them to update it and edit them, which the ARC back at the time had duly ignored. Yeah. So as much as I could work out, those translations have been there for 15 to 20 years. Oh. And that's and they haven't changed them. Have you got the Estonian license? Uh, no. There's a there's a loophole I'm in actually. Ooh, how's what's the loophole you're so in? So when I, so when I first moved here, my girlfriend's family sponsored me to move here, mm-hmm. and I was also on the premise of my education. So my re- so I could have done the normal uh, student way, which is you know don't get a sponsor, but the sponsor just makes everything happen real quick. I think I got my residency within three weeks, mm-hmm. and I had my residency card before I had left to uh come so in may of 2017 i was graduating high school and then i spent all of june in estonia and tartu and then i spent july moving from istanbul to Ankara with my dad and then i moved here officially august 1st 2017 i had everything finalized in three and a half weeks in tartu dang so it the sponsor made life so much easier and it's also the reason when my visa will expire in a couple months, I have no fear about renewing it because if you have a sponsor, you pretty much are out of the mm. out of the big. I think Estonia had a one thousand four hundred and fifty seven uh, res- residency permits they gave out in the this year, and they ran oh last year and they ran out in like three days. I never understood how that. Do you know how that system works? No idea. Because I, I know. I mean, I have a visa. I have one because. Uh, I am employed in a company called Zezerin Consulting. Oh, that happens to be a company that I wholly own. Yeah. However, yeah. that doesn't matter because I have a full-time employment in a company. I pay myself the requisite amount, 1.24 times the average salary. Yeah. I'm eligible to have that. Now, as long as I keep that employment, like I'm, but I'm not subject to this cutoff. Yeah, yeah. No. Like I keep it going. I think the I think the cutoff only, and I could be wrong. You'd have to ask Popov. Mm. I think it Ooh. only cutoff really applies is to people who are moving here who do not necessarily have a job and they're going to find employment. Oh. Or you're or you already have enough money to sustain yourself. Mm. You just want to live in the country, because if you have a there's because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Because I was talking to an immigration lawyer, and she was saying how there's like a hundred thousand Ukrainians who have working permits for Estonia, mm. and I'm I was like one that doesn't thousand yeah I, again I was like she was drinking I was like there's no way that makes sense because <laughs> that's more than Lasnima right that's more than that's, that's one tenth f- of the country yeah yeah there's I mean fucking this- call in Martin Helmer fucking stat I'll be voting for Ecker if that's oh, the case fucking yeah <laughs> yeah and no I don't, they, I don't think she actually knew what she was talking about. Um, 
Oh, and also I, at, at Thanksgiving, I brought I brought up your situation because I was like, she's like, "What are you gonna do when you graduate?" I was like, "Well, I'm probably gonna open a company and have some money filtered through, so I can just have permanent residency because mm. it's kind of a loophole in the country." Mm. And she's like, "Well, this just woman who was very high and high and mighty by herself. Well, you know, she, by the way, she's never been to Eastern Europe. Her husband is from Moldova, yeah. and she's like, well, you know." I don't think it quite works like that. You know, I don't think that's quite legal. I'm like, no, it's not really. L- it's legal. It's just not really morally c- c- like right or something. No, it's totally fine. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a big loophole just to like say I can live here forever. But you, but if you were to do that, there's yeah. no like, so you like, you create a company, you put money into the company. Yeah. But the thing is, you can do that because you'd be paying taxes. Oh, okay. So you would need to put in. So first of all, it's 1.24 times the average salary. Which is a bit over a thousand euros, yeah. right? So you have got to have you got to be paying yourself the that's the gross mm-hmm. of like one thousand three hundred, one thousand four hundred a month, right? Yeah. Then add on Estonia's friggin' fifty percent social tax or whatever the hell that is. Yeah. So you end up paying the company ends up paying about one thousand eight hundred, one thousand nine hundred mm-hmm. for the privilege of employing you. That means the the government. Is making like five hundred dollars off you. Well, even that because the gross comes down to netto. Yeah. So because they take the first bit, they take a cut from the gross as well. Yeah. So the government is pulling in like seven to eight hundred euros of tax off your employment every month, all yeah. end to end, right? So if you employ yourself, that's kind of like the fee. Yeah. But you're paying your tax. Okay, yeah. You're paying your tax and you got to put some money in the company so then there's the VAT consideration so maybe there's a VAT that like if you can do that that's legal. Okay. You yeah. should do that. Now, the only I have heard I was again another the best place to get this drunken conversations that we heard. Yeah. I was speaking to an e-resident and an e-resident who runs some sort of server-based company that he's got servers like he's got a there's a, a room and he's put his own servers in there, and he rents the servers out mm-hmm. uh, for some. Sp- they've got some specific operating system, or some shit. Yeah. And he was like, he reckoned. He told me over a beer that he tried to do this. He has the company. He's an e-resident. Tried to employ himself, and they denied him the residency, claiming that because it's a server company, he doesn't need residency in Estonia to run that company. Yeah. Now I don't know, again. I don't know what the fuck. So are they making drawing lines? Well, what if I open the ice cream stand might with an e residency? Oh well, that's the if you read up on the e residency legislation and you read part of the because re- I thought I was like I'm gonna move to Estonia. Maybe I want to invest and get this. Maybe it'll help my case to go there because I didn't understand anything about immigration and uh-huh. I didn't realize Americans kind of get a free pass to the world. Um, so I was looking it up, and it it very blatantly says in the first lines of its of the regulations, it says, "This is not an identification card. This is not going. Uh, this is not a, for val- This is not valid reason for immigration into Estonia." Mm. And it and then they that's the regulation. But then in like the F FAQ section, it says, "No, this will not help you in any any way to get to Estonia." Hmm. Like if you do if you have an e residency, it's great, and it only works for digital signing, and then it works for being able to operate a con a company here without having to be here. It operate account. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yes, yes. Huh. So if he had an e-residency and he was claiming yeah, you know, that okay. way to get in, it's it, it kind of says like, you're already running a company outside the country. You're not here. There's no reason for you to move here. Mm. So 
they're just being dicks and not letting them in. But but then you could do the scam. But the way that I did it, yeah, was that. I had originally started the first company, Comedy Estonia OU, with Eric Sufert, who was one of the founders of Comedy Estonia. Okay. And he is American, but had an, um, had an Estonian residency, uh, I think, for study at the time. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it was an Estonian residency. Yeah. So because he had an Esto- even the American citizen Estonian residency, we could still start a company together. Yeah. Because he was the resident part. So you can have a company that is part owned by a resident, part owned by a foreigner. Okay. And that's fine. So we could, this was 2010. Yeah. We started the entity together. It was named under Lewis and Eric. Um, and that was legal. And because I, w- I was here, I, I think I might have still been using a working holiday visa or mm-hmm. coming and going, but it was fine. So we did all the regular shit, went to a lawyer, did all that kind of crap, the notary, all this. Then there was a company owned by both of us. Then uh, I could buy him out of the company for a euro because we valued it. Then I solely owned the company. Yeah. Then that was totally fine. He could just sell that bit to me. I solely owned the company. Then I was allowed. Then we started to make some invoices and we're doing work. I think I was already running some old IT work through this company. So the company had some money in it. Yeah. Then I employed myself and I said I applied for residency based off that I'm employing myself in this company. Yeah. They approved it, the whole thing. Yeah. And then that's how I have a residency. Yeah. So maybe you just got to do it the old school fucking Australian way, yeah, right. scammy way if you really want. You got to... <laughs> because that's the Australian way, man. We sc- like, we're the scammers. We know how to like... I'm not taking no from someone, Sorry. from some old woman... At the counter, I'm going to the next counter, the next counter, the next office, the mm. next district to like find someone who gives me an answer yeah. that I'm, you know. So maybe yeah. that's it. No, yeah, I've 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 actually been employed by the my girlfriend's family's company for last. Th- let me think. For I've been officially employed since I moved here, and that was also part part of my reason. It was part, I was already registered as an employee, mm. so I think it assisted me. So like. I think I'm ready. I want to start my own company, but I don't think I'll have to do the dodgy like for. Well, if you're you're already a resident, so you can start the company. You're already in, so you're fine. Okay, yeah. So I I only needed Eric. Well, at first it was different because Eric and I thought we were gonna like make the company together, and then Eric just then Eric kind of developed this career in statistics, Mm -hmm. and that was proving quite lucrative, and so he decided to go and do that, and left me to focus on the business. So that wasn't like a a weird. It wasn't like a scammy scam. Yeah, 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 but. It would still be legal. Yeah. It, okay, yeah, but yeah. But you're a residency, so you can go right now and start a company as an Estonian resident. None of this e-residency bullshit well, in the middle. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. The, 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 if you just focus on any of the laws and you try to find... Loopholes are everywhere. everywhere. Like with my license. So when I, when I first moved here, right, um, I was sponsored out of my girlfriend's parents' house in Tartu. Mm-hmm. And then when I sent my paperwork to school they've sent it off to the bank to verify it so i can open a bank account and then that got sent off to the police to be verified once more before it got off to the school or something like that and uh and then i was fine but at no time did i ever register myself for a place of residence and the law states that you only you have one year upon your place of residence Mm -hmm. so i have residency in estonia but uh, by the eyes of the government i do not live here I just happen to go to school and I exist in the country, but I don't have a place of residence. Mm. So as long as I don't have a place of residence, my license is valid. 
And now once... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you, scam. Yeah. And so the uh, for... Okay, so to get an Estonian license, what I would like to have, because I would like to have one for a Europe that's valid for 10 years, mm. um, is, uh, so the, val- the license has to be valid for, um, I think it's five years of when you apply for it. You have to have lived in the country for six months driving on that license, and then all you have to do is take the ro- theory and the road tests. Mm. Uh, you, I don't think you have to take the slippery road test. No, you don't. Which I, th- I want to try it, though, because I've heard it's really fun. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's just like a computer game, so you just pretty much play for two hours. Um, right, that's what I had to do. Yeah. I had to take the theory, which I failed four times. Okay. Because that was, that was the only way I got through that theory exam, was to brute force my way through it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the third time I only failed seven questions, mm-hmm. and you need five. And then I'm like, right, now I understand the answers. That's the only way. And then the fourth time I did it, I passed. I got like five wrong, and that was enough to pass. Yeah. And then when you do the uh, practical, mm-hmm. I didn't know this until the day that you only have to do a thirty-minute version of it. Usually, uh, if you're just getting a regular license, I think it's an hour-long version, yeah. and it's really quite complicated. The foreigner version is thirty minutes. Okay. And I had no idea until the guy stopped him. He's like, "Yeah, we're done." And I'm like, "What? Huh?" This is why. Why was the other bit so hard and this bit was so fucking easy? What the fuck? Because um, I'd been to driving lessons to prepare. I'd driven all around number. I was yeah. like, I know what's going on. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, you could do that. Yeah, that's. that's but you're going to. So, when you. F- are you registered to an address? I'm um, not currently. I'm, I, have, I, should do it, I should do it now because mm. I just reinstated my license when I went back to the States because mm-hmm. uh, mine expired in uh, October 1st on my birthday. So for from October till like the twenty first of January, I didn't have a license, um, so that made life interesting. Um, but now that I will, I'll, I'll apply for residence. But I think what I most likely will do is I'll put myself at my friend's house because my house is outside the city, and so I don't have access to any public transport, and it's so irritating no. because I'll ha- you have to, if you just like you can pay with your car, just hit tap it and you're good to go, but. You know, an hour ticket. You every hour you have to buy a new ticket. Essentially, you know, if I'm going out to Vimsi or I'm going out to Lastima, mm. that's a four euro day, and I'm not gonna spend four euros every other day. Just that's what everybody do in Estonia does: register themselves at yeah. their parents' place oh, in yeah. Thailand, so that you know they can well, be I, on I, the system. I heard I was talking to Mikko, and I heard that he where he where he's registered, he also gets Elron for free as well, and. Okay. The Elron is the one actually one I would prefer to have because I use that more than the buses, and I know it's only two euros a trip, but you know the two euro adds up and stuff. Makes a difference. Oh yeah, massive difference, and I wouldn't have to worry about having coins on me, or you know, um, you know if I'm drunk or high on the train, I don't have to worry about that woman <laughs> communicating with me. So yeah, it's uh. Where to register? I drove because I drove for a, quite a while. I I, so I understood the um. The the thing about the Australian license only supposed to be used for a year, right? Yeah. And then at one stage, I switched my residency from the two from the company to another company, so I kind of reset it. So I kind of got another year. But yeah. then I just discovered, like, if the police don't pull me over, then this is not really a problem. And I had like an international driver's permit as well. Yeah. So when the police would look at it, they'd just be like, "Yeah, all right, cool." Like they didn't seem to put. But there was there was about a year where my Australian license. No, no, no. Sorry, pardon me. There was four to five months, pardon me, where my Australian license had expired, mm-hmm. but I had not yet got the Estonian one. Yeah. That's really the thing that pushed me back into the brutal uh, shame 
of not doing the theory exam of the driving exam like i'm failing it a couple of times then how am i going to go through this again was that my australian one had uh expired yeah and the only other choice i would have had would be to go to australia just there's no, and there's no mail order i've oh, already okay. done the mail order once so yeah. you can't do it twice i'd already pulled that scam okay i got every scam right so I was like, can I do it again? They can't do it again. So my only choice would have been to spend 1,500 euros, fly to Australia, yeah. get a renewed license just to avoid that fucking theory exam <laughs> and it's bad translation. But I just kind of pushed through and then I got it. So then, yeah, there was like five months that I was driving on no license. Yeah. And that was where I was like, hey, I've got this great idea how I won't get the police. I just want speed. I know. Don't do anything crazy in your car. Police tend to leave you alone. Big crazy idea as an Australian. Oh, yeah. I never understood this. Um, I, 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 my first year living here, I got pulled over like six times, <laughs> and it was really annoying. But the second, my second year, third year, I haven't been pulled over. Why? What all. changed? Um, the car I was driving. So I originally, my first car here was a Range Rover Sport SHE. Oh. So, like, if you. Like you ever look at if you, if you like there's one time I was at a parking lot and um me and we pull into Remy and we park and I look ahead and there's a there's this guy in the the front seat and I'm like does he not look 14 like someone's gonna so we say say something about like he doesn't look like he should be able to drive and then he gets out and it real realizes it's a chick and it's a lesbian <laughs> just looks like a 14 year old boy <laughs> like there's certain things your brain picks up and doesn't look right and so um I have crap facial hair now but. Back then, I was still, I only had a very sparsely, if any, 10 hairs on my chin. Um, and I just looked really young and I looked like I didn't belong, essentially. And so when you're driving mm. in the Range Rover and then you look like this, it, there's just like a comparison. You're like, it doesn't doesn't match. And I don't look like a rich kid either. I dress like a like a stoner half the time. So it doesn't, it doesn't match up. And the cops look at me, looked at me and like, okay, we're just going to pull him over for no apparent reason. Uh. And... You know, the first thing they were always doing is like they're doing the breathalyzer test and then looking at the license. And they look at my license, they don't understand anything of it, too. Because one, it's it's um, portrait mode instead of landscape. And, you know, it gives all the information, but only makes sense if you understand how the American structure is. And they're looking confused. And then they check the registration of the car and they realize nothing's going on. Then when I got rid of that car and I started driving a Clio that had company badges everywhere not a single problem like i've been in an accident with that car i ran it into a ditch not a single problem but just that one car was the was the big thing that so I i've got the volvo with. baby then they never suspect the volvo driver mm. no one no one thinks the volvo driver's doing anything wrong no yeah but the um the thing i always find funny about driving here is is um if you're just a decent dude in general the cops do not give a fuck yeah. um i remember I, I, kn I know one cop and I talked to one cop one time, right? Very rare. Um, the one cop that I know was telling me, he's like, yeah, they're, they're taught that if you're going 15 above the speed limit, mm. that's the point that they will pull you over. Mm. And from 50 to 65, they won't touch you because it's not worth their time. Um, but it's really fucked up the whole penalty, penalty system, which is like for every kilometer over, it's like times seven. So if you're doing 17 above... Uh, say you're doing 67 in, tar in Talon, mm. everyone's doing 65, they'll pull your ass over because you're technically speeding by their standards. And instead of just getting a two, like it would be a 14-euro fine, you're actually going to get like a 70-euro fine. Really? Is that how it works? I thought it was just three 
euros for every kilometer. Oh, it's three. Okay, I keep thinking it's seven for some odd reason. But that makes it... But I thought that was fucked myself because I did 90 in a 60 zone. Yeah. And I got a 90 euro fine. Three threes are... Wait, yeah, three threes are nine, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. so it'll be 30 times right. three. And I got a 90 euro fine for 30 kilometers over. Yeah. Oh my God, in Australia, I would not be driving home. Mm-mm. I would not have anything left in my... That would be 800 bucks. Yeah. And you wouldn't be driving home if no. the cops caught you doing 30 over. Like, they would throw... And they were like, this cop's like, it's 90. Is that okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, well, officer, yes. Uh, thank you. That um, I appreciate. I'll, I'll try harder next yeah. time. Like, I got, what? I was... Uh, and the out... I was on the outreaches near the Salwa train station and I got caught doing in a, in a residential zone doing 82 and a 60 mm. and the cop didn't give me a ticket, didn't write me off at all, just pretty much said you're an idiot, you know. Um, I Actually, it's my whole bit on stage about it. <laughs> I've done that one countless times, but it's um, if you just look innocent and you just don't know what you're doing really and you act stupid, they kind of just don't give a fuck. How much do you think is that the foreigner thing? Because Sander swears it's the foreigner thing. Like, I just do that. Yes, officer. Yes, officer. That's correct. You're right, officer. Like, he and I have been pulled over a bunch of times and we play a good double team. Yeah. Like, they're all like, he's the funny Estonian guy and I'm the straight foreigner. Yeah. And like, we get out of it. I, th- I think there can be a foreigner thing. Sander reckons it because they don't want to have to engage the English speaker. I Although I've had the opposite where they're like... We really want to practice yeah. our English that day. Yeah, yeah. Or the other one was that they, they couldn't... I was, doing, I, was do, I was doing a bad overtake. This was I was overtaking in an inappropriate place. This was my fault. I happened to also be overtaking an unmarked police car on the way out to Harpsalu on a car and it wasn't a good thing. And the cops were like, yo, we, gotta, yo, we can't do this. We got to take you back to the cop shop, yeah. which is like an hour in either direction. Or my girlfriend could come from the car and be the translator and they're like, all right, bring the girlfriend. Yeah. And she did it. And then, okay, like neither of us had to drive an hour to the cop shop. I think that it's to a degree it is being being a foreigner, but being a foreigner only gets you so far. Like yes. it's like it gets you very far, like <laughs> very, very far. <laughs> Um, but it only gets you so far and it only, you can only use it at certain times. Uh-huh. Um, cause if you don't, I feel as if other foreigners will look down upon you like that whole expat thing you're talking about earlier. There are people in who move here who do not want to be here, but they're just that expat. They only socialize with expats. Mm. Um, and if you just use that, it's a, you're a foreigner thing too much. People are just going to start hating you. But if you just play it off occasionally, like, yeah, I'm just dumb and American, you know, it just happens to be this way. You gotta save that wild card. You gotta know how to use it. Yeah, you can't. Can it, like, what do you like? You okay through your work at EBS and just you generally being a reasonable person, more reasonable than me. Like, do you think there's enough foreigners now to kind of live in that expatty community? Um, it's starting to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel because I'm part of the the ex that talent expats group with uh, they all post like jobs and stuff and people like hey can do you know where to find this uh so the community is growing i think it's like eight thousand people huh so it's it's six to eight thousand should be i mean obviously not all expats and not all in estonia but nevertheless that's still a reasonable size group oh Uh, that just (laughs) (laughs) our cheapo mic stand these are 10 bucks from aliexpress we'll get some new ones soon well it's so my biggest thing is that i don't have any expat friends Mm -hmm. like 
the closest thing to an ex- to an expat friends is like you and James. Yeah, I was gonna say he says the two expats talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it makes sense, too, because when I first moved here, I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to find some American friends. The first Americans I met were Mormons trying to convert me <laughs> and join their Tartu uh, floor hockey team. Yeah. And I was like, sounds like a good time, but I'm not going to do that. Um, and so then I kind of drifted around for a year, just not having a place, not knowing what to do. The standard thing you do when you're 19 um, and then I found comedy and I had my friends as well. All my friends are Russians from Lostnam. Right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. You got those Russian friends. How did, how did you make those Russian friends? Um, so I wouldn't, I was wanted to, th- so I originally, my first group of friends were all Finnish people. And then I said some shit that I should not have said to a girl. And then I got ostracized, ostracized from that entire group. Uh, well, like grow a personality or something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, don't. Well, I, I, I just like, we, the whole story is that I, after watching the, seven star wars movie i gave everyone a ride home because i was trying to be a bro yeah. and then was talking and we actually i actually just had a conversation with this girl like two months ago and she wrote she reset everything i've said and I, I was like i don't recall any of that and this was also when i first started drinking too so this was another problem okay. and so i would say shit when i was drunk and stuff um and so a lot of stuff just added up this conversation i had with her just happened to be the, the straw that broke the camel's back and nobody talked to me and so then I tried throwing a party at my house, and I met this guy, uh, Max Valentine, uh, who's now my best friend, and um, he does shisha and stuff. So I'm like, oh, well, why don't you come over? We'll do some shisha and sit. And then we just started hanging out on our own, hang out, play video games, get high, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so then, because uh, I live out in out near Sawa, there's not Jack, there's nothing out there. So we're like, let's just hang out in Lasnima. And then uh, I kind of just got adopted into his circle of friends that are all Russians, and and I never decided to get out of it. So fascinating, huh? Yeah. So I just hung into there, and then um, then my Estonian friends are all comedians. So like, it took a while, like a solid six to seven months, to really get into the group. Because for the first six seven months, it was really rough of just like sitting in an all Estonian show, just speaking English, and I like. Rauno was like the first guy to talk to me <laughs> and it took like seven months to get that mm. and i always laugh i always laugh hard when i see other people have to do that i'm like if you want it you just have to wait and it will come right. you know you can't you cannot force that kind of thing and uh, i think it's also that's also that that line in any group of people right if you have a group of people that are doing good work together there's this balance between you don't want to be too separate to not let people in. You don't want to be a closed group. But you need to have some effort to get into the group as well. Yeah. There needs to be some reward for being in the circle, for being part of that that team, whatever that team might be. Yeah. So it's not instantaneous. No. But if you work it, then it is possible, well, you know, hopefully without, you know, like, you, uh, not you getting hazed or no shit, right? Like no, Just no, hang no. around, do good, you know, be a nice person. And... We do consciously think about that. Yeah. Like, it's a conscious thought. Like, you know, we're trying to be accepting, but not be, you know, like, you still got to be the meritocracy that we are. Yeah. I think the, the first time I ever talked to Sander was, uh, the, was, uh, it was May 15th, I think, on, uh, for the first comedy nights, which was like my first paid show ever. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm stressing out of my mind for it. And then Sander goes back and he gives me some advice and stuff on, cause I've never done 10 minutes before. Um, but like once I had that conversation with him, I was like, okay, now I have my footing in a group to a, to an extent, and I have my place. Um, 
and my place will change and grow however that may occur in the future but i i've actually earned it now because you know i've seen some comics who just pop up and they'll do one or two shows or they'll just try it the one time and this is what you're saying is that what i I understand as well is that that person just doesn't get it because you showed up and you tried one time it's i think right now i i've done the math and in talent you can do like 12 to 14 shows a month right so you can do a show pretty much every other night or Mm -hmm. every three nights and if you're not doing that and you're or you're not doing every comedy estonia show you possibly can because i think i'm one of only two people who do the russian shows as well um you know if you're not doing everything possible and you're not working for it then there's points like you're not really going to affect us in a while and you know as much as it is a business it's really just comedy's like you're just hanging out with your friends and you're really good at speaking with your friends and letting other people know what you're talking about mm. and relaying the funny in it that now people want to pay you to understand what you're saying mm. and once you've put that work in to have that skill and you're you've developed that skill with your friends or like talking to other comedians and whatnot then you know you have succeeded and got a place in the group i think that kind of went longer than it should have no it makes sense yeah. it to me I, you know and i i think you're you're right about that and that, I think, is what affected my entry into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That, not, not, and not from the group part. Everyone was very, and everyone was very cool to me, and they were a really nice group. If you want to train uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, highly recommend uh, that you go up to uh, 3D training. Yeah. I got this sticker here. Go to 3D training at Tondi. They're really nice people. They run classes. Uh, they're, they're really great. But what I only had the time to go two times a week. Mm. If that, like, yeah. because they got a class, right? So you got to be on at 12. And so while I really liked doing it, it was hard for me to get to the classes. Maybe I got to travel that day to go somewhere. So I miss a class. Like you can't get good at jujitsu doing it two hours a week. No. You've got to be doing it four times a week. You've got to be getting passionate. You've got to be getting right into it. Then I imagine through, same with comedy. You And again, you don't just become part of the comedy group by hanging out. No. You become part of the comedy group by hanging out and by putting in an effort into your comedy. Yeah. You don't have to be great. You just have to talk, be cool, put an effort into your comedy, show some progress would be nice. Yeah. Show that you're putting in an effort, I think is a, probably a better description, and you will start to integrate with work. And I, I could identify that's why I wasn't being satisfied with my jiu-jitsu because I didn't have time to devote to the community. I saw that it was a similar effort. You had to get obsessive. Yeah. You had to be thinking about jiu-jitsu all the time, four times a week, maximum times, then being part of that community because it's just this, the little that I know about martial arts, you know, this is a lifelong thing. Yeah. Like comedy is a lifelong thing to do. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to... Do it as much as you can. This is not going to be a fast thing. Yeah, it's, it's. Um, but when you're talk, when you were talking about the the whole make the progress and stuff, mm. I think that's something that a lot of people don't actually understand. They think, oh, I have to be Arimati good or something, <laughs> or I have to be Rano, Rano Kusik good, or I have to be Sander. Good. It's like, no, no, no. Don't be that way. Be you. Do your own thing. Um, but it's more importantly just like it's the confidence level that you get from succeeding multiple times and learning it from your from bombing and stuff. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's kind of a cult mentality too. You have to adopt into, uh, to w- with, and that's with everything, whether it's martial arts or it's the, uh, it's a military you're going into, or it's, 
uh, comedy. It's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity. But more important, it's like a cult, really, because you're now adopting an ideology of how you want to live your life, how you will approach a certain topic to discuss, and how you will perceive yourself going forward. And then once you hit a certain level, you kind of naturally adopt that without realizing it. Because mm. now I, I um, the, 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 the thing that I've gotten, one of the compliments I got from Ari, some people don't, that I don't think people realize I got is this, I was, did a, did a set, uh, just did some crowd work. And then I come off stage and then Ari's like, how the hell did an American out racist us? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I heard I heard him and Miguel and Pop. I heard everyone laughing on the side because it was at KPK, and just he- hearing that kind of comment afterwards, like, "Oh, okay, now my thought pattern has actually shifted from being this individual I was a year ago to now where I'm able to look at something and see the funny." Because mm. um, I think for only when I'm watching comedy live do I actually laugh. When I'm at home, it takes a very seriously funny joke for me mm. to laugh, mm. not because I'm like oh, I'm just so that good at comedy and I understand. It's just, no, is that I'm looking at their set and I'm analyzing it too much to be like, where's the funny? How is that joke structured? Because if I can take anything away from this one, this hour-long special, I would like a piece of knowledge that I can say is, okay, I can adapt it, put it into my own stuff, and then now I'm more more skilled at it. Um, And so I think that's kind of how that is. It's one of the phases you're going to go through, though, which is you start to see the, you know how the sausage is made. Mm. You know how the magician does the trick. So then how do you go back to just enjoying the trick? Oh, yeah. Right? And you need to then, I mean, then I, I guess the answer with magic is you watch better and better magic and then you're like, oh, I don't know how you did that trick or I can see bits of it or like to get back to just enjoying it Yeah, as a thing. I, I don't enjoy it because uh, like... um. Two of my favorite comedians right now are Daniel Tosh and Andrew Schultz, right? Um, I can watch their stuff all day long, and I love it. And I like I've the last uh, when I was coming back from from the time I left my mom's house until I got back to uh, Estonia, it was about eighteen hours. And I had listened to Daniel Tosh's late his latest special about twice, and I listened to Andrew Schultz's four one one special twice. So I had enough time to really think them through because um, I didn't watch movies on the plane. Um, but I, I I already knew the jokes. I already knew where the bits were. I already knew where the tags and the punchlines and the jab lines. Where I already knew everything was. But it was just the I'm, – I'm more attracted to the artistry of, of being able to take – like Daniel Tosh is a great example is where he's so raunchy at times or he's saying that shit like um, – mm-hmm. you know, like I was saying yesterday, it's like, you know – I can say I have a drinking problem, but if I was rich, it's not a problem. It's only a problem when I'm poor, right? Now, I can say that and someone might think that's offensive, but he oddly has this ability where he can say that offensive thing that's true and no one is uh, overly upset with him. He, they appreciate what he's saying, and that's the artistry in it of crafting these bits that I really appreciate, hmm. and I get more enjoyment out of that than the, the single time laughing because I think sometimes people are scared to laugh. Or they Like Estonians, very oddly, are... are some racist shit, they'll go over fantastically well. <laughs> I have a 9-11 bit about the Ferris wheel. Mm. Everyone gets real uncomfortable with that one real quick. Because then they're like, oh shit, that could actually happen to us. And, um, you know, it's just the level of getting over that that they get through. But, you know, you learn and you adapt and you go from there. So, yeah. Yeah, that comedian mindset. I, I haven't done comedy for so long now, but I still... I mean, when I still call myself a comedian, I started to wonder about that. 
And I was like, why do I still have Hello? Hi, hi I'm Louis Azran, and I'm a stand-up comedian and a comedy producer. Hi. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm coming back to all of this. And coming back to the podcast is part of it, is the first step. Because for me, writing and producing comedy is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. The hardest thing. And I just, it's like squeezing it out, squeezing it out of a very dry lemon. Come on, just a drop, just a drop. But when I think about my life, I think I still, what makes me feel better is to return to that comedian mindset. Because you talked about it like being a cult and like all these things that you want to do, are they a cult? Are they a crew? Are they a thing that you, you combine and get to do with? I feel better when I consider my life through the lens of a comedian. Yeah. And I think, how do I do this? I, no, actually, I don't do nothing I don't want to do. I don't want to do that shit. I'm not doing it. Really? But there's some money. No, 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 no I don't want to do it. I'm, I, I want to do exactly what I want to do. And I don't care that I'm not taking opportunities because I know this is, and, and that is something comedians have. I don't want to take a regular job. I don't want to go and do all these private shows. I just want to do my jokes. Yeah. And I understand that's going to keep me poor and I'm all right about that. Oh, yeah. that's, I'm having that fight with my dad right now. <laughs> like, um, uh, he was, he's, he's so into like knowing what my plan is for the next year and a half. Huh. And he's like, are you coming back to the States for the summer? What's your plan? I'm, I'm planning to be back. I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm planning maybe I'll be down, be there for six to eight weeks, one month in upstate New York, two weeks down in the city. That's my whole plan. Um, he's like, you're going to get a job? I'm like, wasn't really planning on it. Uh, I might find some like garage work where for my grandfather who's a mechanic and mm -hmm. get some. So it's a skilled job. And I'm working with my family. It's something I love doing. Uh, but I mainly want to go back and I want to hit the mic scene there real hard because I can do one mic a night at minimum in upstate New York. Um and, and he's like, well, you know, you need a backup plan. I was like, so what? And I was like, yeah, I, I know. That's why I'm going to go back to school or I'm taking a year off to work and actually build my CV. You know, com I, comedy is in no way a sprint. It is very much so a marathon. And if you don't get if you don't get that under your, in your head, I would say in your first year of, as a comedian, you might as well quit. Because if you think it's going to just going to happen one day um, in like in three years, it's not. You, Every comedian who's popping right now has been doing it for 15 minimum, right? There's, I think that there's only very few people like Dane Cook who can pop out of nowhere out of eight year, after eight years. Um, but, you know, um, I got a job offer f at a, a machinery just making like uh, valves, like, a, like industrial grade valves. Yeah. And it was supposed to be, uh, I think it was like $11 after tax take home per hour 40 hours a week so you know i don't know that's making like 1600 a month so it's not bad wages but okay, yeah. if it was it was in usd and then coming to estonia it would be enough for me to live off for about two months and then i turned the jo job down uh, my dad's like why i said i don't know what i want to do i don't want to commit to that and more importantly i already work a manual labor job there's nothing i can get out of this job from what i've been told um and I was meant this in all the most sincerity and honesty and respect. It's like I, I really appreciate the fact that you have just out of the blue were able to get me a job, but I'm gonna have to say no for one reason is you kind of just went ahead and gave it to me, so you shouldn't expect to take it. But it's there are more important things to me that I I appreciate and I look at and I examine, and the um the just the grind of oh I need cash to live and stuff. I think once you actually get into an arts 
program or you do something that's art related, whether that's speaking or monologuing or drawing, or, and you able to see, see how you can make that into a lifestyle, um, the other stuff starts to fade away and you don't really focus on it as much. Um, my whole thing is now is that the idea of institutions in my head are breaking down and it's a very weird situation for me. Because I've always thought of like, like with celebrities especially, I've always imagined celebrities as people on the wall or, you know, like seeing, take Daniel Sloss performing for like, what, 18,000 people in some venues. To me, that's not a person anymore. That is that is something else. That's not a god necessarily, but it's they're not a human to me anymore. They're just this weird level of entertainment. And that applies to both with governments too. The government is not, uh, it's always appeared in my mind as like this entity that just exists. And I never realized it's just people. It's just mm. regular people. Mm. There's nothing special about Donald Trump other than the fact he's just a person who makes some fucked up decisions and happens to have a lot of money, but he's just a regular person. Take away everything else, he's just a person. And, um, you know, coming to Estonia was the first step in that, but also meeting all the comedians, because I think the scene here is very unique. I don't think in the States I would have been able to talk to Sander in one year, if that makes sense. Right, the Sander of America. Yeah. Or the, the biggest, you know, yeah. to, to get personal tuition from Adi Mati, the most popular comedian in the country. Yeah, right that now. would that would never have happened. Right, yeah. Yo, yo, hey, open mic. Uh, Chris Rock's got some words for you. Yeah, like, yeah, right. I mean, eventually, <laughs> if you work hard enough, you'll get to that level. Sure. And you have okay, if you work to that level and you have the skill and you're at their pe- now you're their peer, then you'll get to that. But once you get to that level, you're not. There's no reason for you to learn with them. You're already there. You just give each other advice. And so, uh, the whole. Um, you know, the fact that I got to be able to be around all the guys that are, you know, figures on the wall. And to me, they're no longer figures on the wall. It's just, it's rugger. We go drinking occasionally. <laughs> I'm going to see him next Tuesday or something like that. And that's really changed my perception on a, on a lot of things, that, uh, on how things work. And how people collectively grow together and sort of like build a society and whatnot. I don't know. I've, been, I've also been listening to a shit ton of Joe Rogan. So... Uh, yeah, I get that. I mean, it is, yeah, because Estonia, there is no separation. No. I had that same feeling as well. To me, politicians were just some dudes in Canberra doing something far off in cars and yeah, a big no. building. And now I'm like, oh, what's going on, Tavi? Good to see you again, bro. Like, yeah, now they just seem like real people in jobs. and Yeah, they're just a regular dude. Yeah. There's nothing. Um, I think it's one issue that the States has right now uh, with all this whole cancel culture and stuff is it's so easy to cancel someone's career if you don't know them. Like, if you don't know them at all. But the fact that, you know, everyone knows Sander to some extent. And, you know, I think it's the the rule of six that you're only six people away from somebody. Like, if you just... It's like three in Estonia. Yeah, yeah. It's three or your dog, right? <laughs> it's it's ridiculously small. And because of that, you know, you are able to, to, to meet and talk and... The the uh, likelihood that I can't go have a drink with the prime min- or the president or the prime minister of whatever mm. in this country slim to none. Like I could, if I wanted to, I could go figure out how to. It's not like it's not like going to happen. She's a busy woman, but you know, if I wanted to, I could make it happen. And um, he's read that, ladies and gentlemen. This he he believes that he can just go and have a beer with Kirsty Caliari. This is what I this is what the American believes. I'm I, just gonna call up Kirsty. Yo, Kirsty, what you doing, toots? Hey, you want to come have a drink? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to sound like that, that guy, <laughs> but I think I, I there's a fifty fifty percent chance I could do that. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. What was your name? Caleb. How old are you again? Twenty-two. No, I'm 21. 21. Oh, you're 21. Hey, sure. I'm the president of a country, but sure, fuck it. I'll just come and hang out with you. No problems. How many hours of my presidential time do you think you might? <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky uh, about who my girlfriend's parents are <laughs> because they run uh, a company here. Um, but I didn't realize how well, how well connected they were mm. with, the, with the government and stuff. Uh, but her grandparent... Her grandmother just turned like 70 or something uh, and we went to her birthday party. And out of the blue, this guy comes up and starts talking to me in Estonian. So my girlfriend comes over to translate. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're at EBS and stuff. I really like your stuff. You know, I'm really happy to see. He saw me perform at Habagala and stuff. And I was like, who the hell are you? He's like, oh, I'm one of the rectors at the school. <laughs> so now I've got clout and stuff. So that's why my logic is that, like, it's, there's just, it's that separation of one or two people. Yeah, just get to that one, one. And then you're like there. And so all you got to do is you got to figure out what Kirstie's schedule is, <laughs> when she's free, what's her favorite drink, and you just you just show up on the spot like mm. it's it's rainy outside, let's have a drink, let's talk about foreign policy right now. Although last time I introduced President Kirstie Callier to the stage at one of the conferences, I forget which conference it was, yeah. and I was hosting it and she was doing the opening keynote speech, and then I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, the president." And then she came up to the speech. She's dropping Australian references in the middle of her speech all of a sudden. She's fucking referencing Captain Cook. He was like our Christopher Columbus, right? Like she's, she's yeah, dropping yeah. a Cook reference, she's dropping a Barrier Reef reference. I'm like, I mean, she likes a little impro. I cuz I can see her from the side. So I can see when she closes a book and she starts riffing, right? Yeah, yeah. So she always riffs at the end of her set as well. So I was like, peace out, Kirsty. She's out dropping those Australian references. Hell yeah, girl. I like how you said that. The president at the end of her set just decided to riff it like Chappelle. <laughs> I just like the idea of any politician being like, all right, fuck it. We're just going to go on this one. Who, who's got a question for me to ask? Yeah, I'm going off script, baby. I'm going off course. We're going off road. We're doing it live. <laughs> no. Um, I think we probably might wrap it up real soon. All right. We've got to go do some shit. So uh, it's 6.15. We're going to have our powwow yeah. at 7 o'clock. And so a powwow, everyone, what, one of our, a powwow is just our group meeting. Um, uh, it's a native, <laughs> it may be a racist term. I don't hope it's not uh, for a meeting of Native Americans when they yeah. all get together with the headgear. I don't know if it's meant to be a racist term uh, or not. I'm not sure if you're allowed to say in the, st- no, in the Midwest sure. parts of the States. Sure, but, but right here, here we're doing it. No. We call them powwows and we get together and uh, it's just where all the comedians get together. We talk about comedy, how all the shows go and how it's doing. And tonight we're having one with our open mic crew, which is just like, yo, how's the shows going? You're happy with everything? Yeah. Uh, and then I think, as much as I understand, because we don't have much that much extra shit to talk about, um, Ari said that he wanted to run a short workshop, short workshop, and Today? just talk about some comedy shit. Yeah. Okay. So maybe Ari for forty-five minutes is going to be talking about some comedy shit. That'd be great. Afterwards, which is the thing, which is like the holy shit, you get the most yeah, popular yeah. comedian. He's about to go on the biggest fucking tour, and he just pops up to him, he's like, "Yo, can I just talk to the comedians for forty-five minutes just yeah. about workshop?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, brother, you can." No, it's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be real nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for our rambling foreigner talk uh, about life here. And thank you for still listening to my podcast. I appreciate you guys sticking through me in the dark months. I kind of get all inward and shit and uh, I don't want to talk very much. And uh, it's not good. It's not good as a leader. It's not good as a podcaster. Uh, and, you know, I, I gotta not, I don't want to pull away too much. So I'm starting to feel a little better now. Yeah. Uh, we're really going to be hitting it this 
this week. We've got the uh, first, by the time this comes out, the first show of Ari's tour, mm-hmm. first show at Vene Catoricescus. We've sold buttloads of tickets. It's the fucking most amazing thing ever. We're so appreciative for the sport. Seats? Um, 9,000? 9,000 seats in one stu- one place. No. Oh. No, no. Like in the, no, that's 850 is Vene Catoricescus. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. the whole tour is sold about 9,000 so far or something. I imagine uh, it would probably still go up. It's amazing. Yeah, it's still going up. The first show hasn't even happened. So, uh, yeah, we're getting back into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, sometimes I just... You know what? You know when you're sitting in your home and you get all introspective and shit and I'm all like, ah, does anyone really like me? What am I really saying? What's my angle? What am I? And then you overthink it and you're like, nah, I don't want to do a podcast, yeah. right? Lewis needs to manage Lewis, yeah. which is what would manager guy say? Go fucking do a podcast, you piece of shit. That's what I would say, yeah. right? So here we got to record. I'm gonna maybe do Daniel uh, on Friday. Oh, I think sweet. Dan's gonna come over. I'm gonna do that one, and then uh, maybe the elusive Tim Reedy next week. I'm gonna try and know he's back in the country. Oh yeah, I me- I messaged him at like three in the morning two days ago for us to go drinking. <laughs> Tim is a is an insane man, and I've only ever drank with him one time, but. I'm really You're lucky if he doesn't fucking have a swing at a police officer or something like that. Like that's a good night if it's oh, only a swing at one yeah, police officer. I want to. I don't want to film it, but I would like. To, <laughs> I'd like to get see more. Is it true he was telling me uh, for Mad Murphy and Old Town Square uh, that the logo is referenced is made off of him? I could not tell if he was fucking with me or not. <laughs> willing to bet not. But I would like to hear this story. Yeah, he was saying that because it's an Irish bar and he was here when it was made or something like that, that it's referenced off him with the long hair and the in uh, the flat cap. And you know that Irish people have no history of just telling long stories. Oh yeah, yeah I know. Tall tales and true. That's totally not part of the Irish way. Well, that would be out of character for an Irishman. Well, the when he was telling me what he do, when he does for for a job, which is run the porn sites, mm. right? I was like, no, you don't. I've never. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, you don't. Because you know, you think about it. You look at Tim, yeah. and, and you like what I th- imagine a porn producer would look like is not Tim. <laughs> and so we're at the rest. We're at Mad Murphy drinking, and he's uh, the site's getting like attacked or something. So he's managing everything on the computer. I'm like, oh, oh it's real. And he's like, yeah. Also, the I, the logo's referenced off me. I was like, <laughs> it's got to be true. <laughs> Uh, All right. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm going to see you again soon. Ciao.